Hello and welcome to the Fit for Success podcast with your host, me, Archie Gravener. This is the podcast where we delve into the lives of extremely interesting people and combine the worlds of fitness, success and entrepreneurship so you can learn yourself, inspire yourself and empower yourself on your own journey. One thing before this podcast starts that I'd really appreciate is if you get any value from this, if you can share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues and shout us from the rooftops, I appreciate it more than you know. Let's get into it. Scott. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast, man. Um, I appreciate you. you being here, and I'm so excited for this conversation. It's one that I've waited for for a, for a little bit of time, um, and yeah, it's a pleasure and honour to have you here here to speak to, man. So, before we get started, just introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Um, and yeah, what are we here to talk about, man? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that. I so I'm Scott McDonald. I have got a few different hats. So I run uh, a peak performance consultancy where I work with uh, with people primarily on their on their mindset initially and then also to build the body and the the functionality that you need from a physical perspective as well um i'm also a management consultant so my my history is in the corporate game so i'm currently running uh, a billion multi-billion dollar merger between two of the world's largest drug companies um i'm a dad i've got two kids i've got a dog um so life's busy but i think it's great right i've never been this happy interesting i've probably never been this happy but more importantly or more interestingly is i've never been this productive mm. despite all the kind of different plates i've a time box a lot right i'm like yeah this is going to take this amount of time this is going to take that amount of time i'm not trying to perfect it so yeah do you think those two things go hand in hand for you productivity and like pushing forward and happiness yeah 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 i'm i'm i the growth the need for growth in me is high like i talk a lot to, to clients about human needs right like what do they actually need not on a i need like a nice house and i need a nice car and i need a loving wife and things you've got like primal needs so you have the need for certainty so the need to know that you know the ceiling isn't going to fall down and the floor isn't going to give way and then you have the need for uncertainty right so you have this um as much as you need that certainty constantly around your life if it was all just known life would be pretty boring and dull right so we need some variety and for some people uncertainty is like this massive thing they're like i need excitement i need like i hate routine I like to just wake up and do my thing and go with the flow for other people and the majority of people it's like no i need to know what's happening when it's happening and i need that certainty to kind of be constantly present present so yeah certainty uncertainty and then you've got um the need for love we all have the need for for that and then also the need for significance that feeling that we're here for a reason and that there's the po- there's a point to us in, in, in doing something um, and then you also have the need for growth um, and the need for contributions so that feeling that you're giving back um, so if you can figure out what everybody has those six needs right but if you can figure out which one of those which two of those are your primary ones you can really start to change the way that you think for me right it's the need for certainty and the need for growth so i know that every decision that i make is based on the fact that i'm trying to get those needs met and when those needs are met i feel amazing 
when those needs are not met, that's when I start to feel uncomfortable. And, and you cannot be met, those needs cannot be met for like hours or days at a time. But when they're consistently not met, that's when you start to have probably mental health issues mm -hmm. and, and challenges. So I know that I need that element of certainty, but I also need that element of growth, which sometimes comes into conflict, yeah. right? There's the challenge, right? I'm going to try something new because I want to grow, but Jesus Christ, that doesn't give me like the certainty. So, but if you can figure out what those two are, then I, 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 th I think you can start to understand the way that you make those decisions a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, that's something that I've actually been figuring out over the past few years. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still young, but I've, I've come from a, a corporate background, corporate mm. job, worked a quantity surveyor for the first uh, five years, say, of my, of my professional career. Um, and going from that, which is like obviously completely certain to balls deep in, in yeah, coaching, yeah. Uh, just leaving that for uncertainty and growth and all those things that you're discussing. Um, it's taught, it's taught me a hell of a lot of lessons, man. It taught me a hell of a lot of lessons and what I value uh, because that pure certainty of like, right, you just get this paycheck or you just yeah. do these hours and this is just your routine. I'm the opposite of it. I just don't crave that at all. Yeah. And it's like, I like it when life is just bonkers and crazy. Yeah. And yeah, See, <laughs> yeah that's so cool, right? Yeah. Like, and this is the funny thing with, um, with like people, right? So this is like really important in your, in, in my relationship, right? Because, so, so my wife, uh, her two human needs are love and contribution. So mm. completely different, right? So when I, when we used to have challenges because she'd be saying things like, um, basically I need to meet her needs, right? For us to feel full as humans, I need to meet her needs and she needs to meet my needs. But my way of meeting her needs would be things like, I'd be like, right, she, I didn't recognize that she needs love, but she told me, I want you to, I want to feel more loved. And I'd be like, right. Well, in that case, I'll tell you every day at nine o'clock <laughs> right? and I'll tell you twice in the evening. Right. And that, cause that for, me, yeah, yeah. for me, I'm like, well, that gives me certainty that I'm yeah. going to do it. And she'd be like, oh my God, this is absolutely rubbish. <laughs> she'd be like, no, no, I'm coming at this from like the need for real love and I'd be like what the fucking hell are you talking about <laughs> um, and then she has this need for a contribution where she gets this from, she's a nurse right so she's like constantly giving back children's nurse and I'm like how do I meet that right but when you start to talk about that and figure it out that's when you're like a relationship becomes amazing mm -hmm. right so and it helps it's not a critical it helps to have a relationship where you have two people with the same needs because then it's much simpler but when you have people with different needs that's where it can get quite exciting right mm -hmm. so your need for uncertainty is like oh holy shit right like where are we gonna go with this but it also makes me feel like oh this could be quite interesting because mm -hmm. i know that he's not gonna be straight down the middle and then yeah. trying to do that. So um, yeah, I, th I think there's a balance to it still, like no matter where, which way you go down, it's almost like putting percentages to those things, right? Yeah, like, yeah, Cause yeah. You, you need a certain level of certainty mm. um, rather than your life being all over the place. You need a certain level of uncertainty, like totally. you say, to keep yeah, it exciting. Um, like for, for the past few months, just being like really open uh, as well. It's like, we've had the least amount of certainty that I've ever had in yeah. terms of 
uh, just bounding around the country, loads of socialising, yeah, yeah. loads of that kind of stuff, not really knowing where we'll be and what day. Um, but with that kind, it, it takes a pullback from from the other areas, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, the certainty, but also probably the growth uh, and not being able to commit the time and, and stuff to, to that yeah. whilst and all over yeah. the shop. So it's a really interesting one. The relationships is a very interesting one as well because I always think about this stuff with like client relationships, but the first thing you mentioned was the relationship yeah. with your loved one, uh, your yeah, partner. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's something I need to take on board and think yeah. about as well because we're definitely different <laughs> totally yeah but it's the fact like it's, it's, it's that whole thing of like how do you influence and how do you get somebody like if you think about it from a client perspective if you can if you can spot what the what their two needs are and meet them that person will be infinitely more likely to listen to you and be persuaded by you and, and that kind of thing so it's like so I'm never trying to manipulate a conversation, but every time I meet somebody, naturally, I'm like, what is this person's needs, mm. right? And if it is something like certainty, for example, I'm like, right, if this client needs certainty, that is my job, is to give them certainty, because as soon as they've got that, they will be much more likely to do all the other things that I need them to do, mm. whether that's their training, their nutrition, or whatever. Whereas if their need is that need for significance, for example, right, actually, the way that I'm going to get them to feel complete and feel great is by giving them that, right? Here's where you're doing great. Here's where you're doing a bit better than the, than the average. Here's where you're starting to stand out, right? That fills their need and they're like, all right, yeah, I'm ready. Mm. Just tell me what to do. Cause I feel great whenever I'm talking to you and whether I'm, whenever, whenever I'm around you, cause my needs are always met. So yeah, it's a fascinating kind of, a road to go hole. down, right? Yeah, it's a rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, really interesting one. Significance an interesting one as well. Um, yeah. Because I feel like everything that you're just saying, if you took out the word significance there and replaced it with ego, potentially, yeah. they're, they're very similar things, right? It's like you're almost that conversation that you're having, having of like this way you're doing amazingly well. It's like tickling that ego and massaging it a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Cause, and, and that's where, like, so you can meet your needs not to get too technical here, but you can meet your needs in positive ways and negative ways, right? So like I can meet my need for significance by um, by working really hard in the gym, by setting up a charity, by doing marathon de sabs and, and therefore, you know, all of that's positive, right? But equally, I can pull a gun on you and hold it to your head and mm. all of a sudden I'm the most significant person in the room, right? Like wow, my significance met. Yeah, that's a cool example. Totally right, and that's why wars are started, right? Like mm. you look at every single bad guy, <laughs> every single dictator, right? That is their number one need is is the need for significance, and that's why that's why wars start. So, um, yeah, you've got to be careful about what it is with all of these. Same with certainty, right? You try and make sure that everything in your life is certain. You're probably going to end up very anxious because mm. the only thing that's certain in our world is that it's going to change so you're trying to make everything certain and you know that it's not so you're like oh fuck i don't know what's going to change next oh this is so uncomfortable so it's like that's finding that balance to to get you kind of filled up if you like mm. that is, yeah certainty that's one way to cause anxiety yeah. that you're completely right because there's always something around the corner waiting for you Totally, yeah. Um, but like always, whether that's a small thing or a massive thing. Yeah. Uh, and if you're 
if you're trying to make everything certain and then that happens it's like you're always worrying about what it is I know, you know, I know um, right? yeah super interesting and, and and that's where you do see particularly anxiety is is a lot of people have got that need for certainty mm. and it's you know there's many reasons why mental health cases have spiked but um more and more people have that need for certainty but there's more and more change in the world so there's, like there's a, also more and more access to knowing there's change in the world right mm. it's social media yeah. the news like the news is horrible it's just oh. anxiety inducing every time i turn it on like yeah that's it that's all straight away turn <laughs> exactly, it off. Yeah. Um, because it does just make me anxious and nervous and think about things that i don't need to put my energy towards and think about um and it does try, it brings you into that place of like scarcity rather than abundance yeah, yeah. um so all that noise if you're someone that craves certainty i can imagine that is just like where that anxiety can really sort of blow yeah. over and, and boil over. Totally. Um, super interesting. Tell me a bit yeah. more about, um, you, you just mentioned you're in like manage, management consult, consultancy yeah. and doing some really cool stuff there. I didn't know that. Um, for someone that does all the other things that you do, that's yeah. pretty amazing. So tell me a bit more about how you got into that. Um, I mean, that's really my background, right? Like I came out of, uh, came out of uni and was like, now what? Um, uh, worked in a construction company for a while and realized I was quite, it was a small business, realized I was quite good at kind of spotting problems and fixing them more so through naivety and like innocence of just thinking that you could fix everything in business. Um, and then I was quite lucky, like at quite a, I then went to work for BT and I was in some ways, you know, right place, right time, but also in fairness, I'd, made the right decisions at the right time and did some great work. So I kind of rose up the ranks quite, quite quickly in my twenties. Um, and then that was a probably that, that consultancy was coming out then, right? It was just going into big businesses and saying, this is a problem, fix it. And as I say, the youth in me was just like, why would you not just call it out and <laughs> then just go and fix it? Uh, you know, and I see people like that now and I'm like, oh, he's good, but I need to, channel him <laughs> and like don't say that no not to him um and yeah so it, it kind of continued from from there worked for a number of companies standard life rbs uh, and i work for a company called sia partners um and i'm just i think that's what gave me i'm very good at spotting problems in a business and fixing them but probably what was better was i had the I used to regularly find myself in a room with a CEO or a board of some description somewhere in the world and saying, you've got this problem, here's the solution. And that's not that difficult, right? But the difficult part is then getting that person to, 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 to make the decision, right? Yeah. It's like you're, this part of the business is losing 10 million, just get rid of it means you're gonna have to lay off 500 people, but right? If you don't lay off 500 people, you're gonna have to lay off 5,000 mm -hmm. in a few years when this just all falls down. And you think these people are like CEOs and they'll just make the right decision because they're clinical and cold and that's how they got there in the first place. And the reality is they're no different from any of us. Mm. But I became quite good at getting in their head and being like, right, so what's, what's, really, what's really going on in there? And you'd be like, well, you know, like my dad was 
a miner, you know, and he worked, you know, he worked his way up and then he laid off all the people in the village. And I remember that as a kid and everybody hated us. And you're like, geez, right. What's that got to do with th this decision now in, the, in financial services? But it's got everything to do with it, right? Because that's where they make that decision from. Um, so, and that's really what attracted me into the kind of mindset. At the time, I didn't realize there was this whole need, right? People would just call me in and be like, I don't care about the business problem, Scott, but here's what's going on in my life and this is what I need to fix. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, yeah, right. Um, and the more that rolled on, the more it became clear that that was where my real strength and probably more importantly, my, my, where my passion was. So, so they hired a consultant and they got a therapist in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm lying down on the couch, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, by the sounds of it, there's a hell of a lot of parallels between the consultancy, probably surprisingly, and, and into the coaching that yeah, you, you yeah. now do, right? So what, what, what are those parallels and skills that you can bring from, from consultancy and plug into, plug into coaching? I th I, coaching's one big, arguably all roles are big people, mm -hmm. skill, jobs, right? Like, you, it's the ability to get the most out of people around you. And it doesn't matter whether they're a client, whether they're a colleague, whether they're a supplier, whether they're whatever they are, you have to have people skills. Like, you have to have that ability to know how to get somebody to do something that they maybe don't want to do um and that's i just think and if you can figure that out if you can get good at that there's very few jobs in the world that you can't do because you start to learn that actually most jobs are not about being able to actually do the doing they're about getting somebody to do what they're good at, another person to do what they're good at, and another person to do what they're good at. If you can get that, you're sorted. Um, but yeah, too many people get stuck in this. How do I make myself great? And how do I make myself like really valuable? It's like, well, that's got a finite kind of role, right? road, like, because that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, probably a lot of money. Whereas you can get a get a group of scraggly people together and be like, what are you good at? Oh, you're really good at this and you're really good at that and you're really good at this. And when you bring them together, if you can be the person that's like the glue and the, I always kind of think of them as like a bit like you've got them all. Sometimes you need to be the guy towing them, right? You're the leader trying to, you set the vision and you're going and you're like, right, come on everybody. And you're like pulling them all on ropes. Like, I don't want to go. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, go on. But then other times what happens is it's, it's, it's like the wind changes and all of a sudden they're all out in front of you and you're like, oh, holy shit, they're all going. And now I feel like really like I can't keep up with what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, shit, but that's then you're that's your role to then like leapfrog it again and get back up, back out in front. And you have to constantly be making those shifts because you can't stay out in front the whole time. It's just too, it gets exhausting, but it also starts to sap at your, um, your creativity. Like mm, you're just 100%. kind of constantly out there. Whereas when you can know that you can let other people do it, you know, 
that's when you go and have a holiday, right? Take a break or think about something new, right? Start to start to try, yeah, try new things. Yeah, I think mm. that mental energy sort of balance or looking after your mental energy and your physical energy is like so important for that creativity side yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. I know when I'm like completely sapped of energy. I cannot be creative. I cannot do content. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be doing a podcast and my energy was sapped. Like yeah. I just really struggle with it. So like being able to take that little pause and maybe getting behind your people instead of in front and leaving yeah. them. Um, yeah, super, super, super important. How do you do that? Because I'm like a massive, it's probably the part I find hardest in life <laughs> because I have this, especially the endurance side of me is like, mm. I just, I can just do whatever, right? I'll find a way. I'm like, sometimes it's been forcing yourself to take a step back. I struggle mm. with that a lot. Yes, I do. That's something that I struggled with for for a long time until probably very recently, maybe in, in the past 12 months. And then I saw the sort of importance of it. Because mm. so I, I was going through these cycles of working really hard in in many different ways, whether that's like physical, uh, in the gym, whatever, uh, business, relationships, like everything was yeah, just yeah. at full throttle. And then all of a sudden I'd get ill. Um, normally it shows up in my tonsils, weirdly enough, so I'll just get tonsillitis. Um, I have this, right? Yeah, <laughs> so by the way, I go to bed at night, right? This happened to me last week because I was knackered. And I, just as I lie down, right? And it only ever happens when I get into bed. It's like there's somebody pouring like this horrible taste in the back of my throat and I'm like, it's like metallic. And I'm like, Ugh, that's horrible. I have to get up and like drink lots and eat some biscuits and that. And I'm always like, what is that? And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like me just going, yeah, you're a bit run down. Take a step back. So yeah. I know as soon as I get a pain in my tonsils, that's just my body's way of going, stop being a dick. Yeah. Like take a rest. Please just pause and, and don't push on because I've pushed through it when it's sort of been there before and literally end up in hospital yeah. on a drip with like three nuts with, with tonsillitis, like my throat's closed up and stuff like that uh, on, on more than one occasion as well. Didn't learn a lesson the first yeah. time. Um, and that's it. That's in whatever sort of realm it is. If I'm, if I'm been like partying too hard or I've been in our beef yeah. or something like that, or if I'm really pushing forward a business but not getting enough rest like that, it happens. Um, so I'm very in tune with my body now with yeah. like, if that signal comes, whether it's, whether it is in my throat or some, some other way, it's like, right, just take the rest because you know, over the next month, you're going to be way more productive if you do take the rest as compared to if you don't and taking that step back and actually disconnecting for a while, being okay with being still and not moving forward. Uh, yeah, what do you do though? Like what, how, like what does rest look like in that scenario? Yeah, I think it can look like a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. I think true rest is is being okay without being stimulated, um, mm. because what most people do when they when they try and rest, or most people, most high performers, shall we say, is when they yeah, try yeah. to rest, they have to switch on to something else. Yeah, um, and that's what I did for a hell of a lot, a lot of time. Is right if I'm resting, I'm on my Xbox, and I'm, I had like F1 simulator yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And then I sort of figured out it's not really true rest. It's just stimulating your, your brain more. Yeah. Um, it's rest from the things that you're doing, but you're just switching on to something else. All rest for a lot of people is going out to the, the pub and yeah. getting fucked up and yeah. booze, drugs, all of that yeah. stuff. Um, again, been there and done that and thought that was rest and then realized it wasn't. So yeah. um, for me, it's just being able to switch off fully, however that works, not looking at uh, any, any kind of work or, or whatever. Yeah. So every single Saturday is just like, that's a day where I will not do yeah. anything. Um, and just allowing myself to do what I want to do on that day, which sometimes is going to be uh, watching 
a live sporting event or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So going to watch football um, or traveling or literally just having a dark day where I switch off my phone, switch yeah. off the laptop, be in my own thoughts for a day, which is really useful. Um, this day and age, it's difficult because we are yeah. so fixated Connected. and obsessed with our screens. Um, but it's a, it's a very, very useful thing. So, yeah, I think I think you just got to find what works for you, you yeah, know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a tough one. Do you, do, you, do you sort of force yourself to take any downtime or do you just do it as and when necessary? I, I'm pretty... The, maybe it's the corporate guy in me, right? But I don't work Saturdays and Sundays. Never have. Like, yes. weirdly... I know so many people through my career that are like, well, how do you stay on top of stuff? Like that's Sunday's the day I get all the stuff done. And I'm like, Sunday's Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> You're normally at work on Sunday. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty good at, at that, right? And especially having kids and stuff, right? You're then like, you know, that's the time I want to spend with them and make memories with them. And I'm pretty good at then taking holidays, right? If I'm... We, we we do go on lots of holidays and we, yeah we do take breaks I think I just I think it's funny when you said that like with the tonsillitis and stuff I'm like what is it that I I maybe don't do I don't have that I may be like all in for 10 weeks 12 weeks and I have a Saturday Sunday off right and I don't work yeah, I mean, I'm all right, right? Like, I basically work between hours of nine till six, Monday to Friday. That's pretty much, like, that. that's just a religion for me, right? And that's because I've always done that, and it works for the family, right? We've got, I think it means I can take the kids to school. It means I never used to be like that. No, now you're making me think. Do you think... That's a break though. That's not downtime, is it? Like, no, it's not. Like right? pa parenting. Totally I'm not. I'm not a parent, but it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Like six o'clock comes. Yeah. Like that, that was tough for me when the kids were born because I used to, I, so my like, when you talk about flow state and things, like when I'm at my absolute peak of creativity and getting things done, for me, that's between about four and eight, nine o'clock. So when the kids came along, it was like, right, six o'clock, that's bath time, right? I was like, well, I'm, I want to be, I'm, they're my kids. I want to be involved in all of that. So every day it was like, be home for six so I could get bath time and then put them to bed. But then I was like, shit, I can't get any work done. This is like my prime time when I'm not meant to be doing stuff. So, and I've probably never got that back. I did some work um, on that to try and sort of reshape it, but I've never, it's still the case to this day, right? I still peak later in the day. Um, yeah, and it's not necessarily switch off time. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I, I think a lot of people think they switch off when they're not, you know. Um, no, and they're still they're still ticking over. Even even just not allowing their thoughts to happen is like yeah. one thing, and that that's that need for stimulation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you don't let those thoughts happen, it's almost like they're just going to be bundling up in a yeah, bag, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna fuck you up for a day. <laughs> totally, that is exactly it, right? Yeah, because one of my big things I would say would be running, right? That's where I, I'm probably at most peace because there's nothing, there is no technology, right? There, apart from some music in my ears or something, and even then, if I'm out for a long run, which is the ones I probably get enjoy the most, I might listen to music for some of it, but I won't listen for all because it just 
either your ears get sore or you're just like fucking too much noise. That's when I probably truly recover. And it's interesting because I've just, I'm in the, I've damaged my hammy at the moment. I don't know what's going on with it. So I haven't been running as much the last few weeks. Um, and my wife did say to me, she was like, what's going, what's going on? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Is that wrong with me? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, to be fair, she said to me, she's like, why are you not running? I was like, well, it's because of this bloody hammy. And, but that's probably why I'm just getting a sore throat and stuff, right? I'm not mm -hmm. getting that usual outlet. Um, yeah, running's probably where I get most... Yeah, where I get most things. That's insane. It's the opposite for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took up running uh, last start of this year because um, yeah. I've always had this mental block around it. This is gonna be this is gonna be a good conversation. This is where we move on to the running, man. <laughs> which the, the initial reason why we got you on. Um, but I took up running at the start of the year because I've always had this mental block of like, I fucking hate running. I hate everything about it. Every single step is just like stop, stop, stop. Um, Whereas to hear someone like you say that's your downtime, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> I guess I kind of understand it because when I'm lifting weights or doing something I really enjoy, a sport or whatever, that is like you're, you're completely switched off, right? Yeah. And you're, you're in, I guess, a different type of flow state, but you're enjoying it. Totally. Um, I just can't imagine that coming from running, especially the type yeah. of running you do. So, uh, yeah, I guess actually, let's let's just start off that conversation. T tell tell myself tell the listeners uh about your running career how it started and and i guess where we are now um i like you call it a running career that makes it sound uh profound don't downplay but, it yeah don't no. downplay it it's cool I, I think um i've always i've always been very sporty right i would say if you it's funny if i was sitting here with my mates they would say oh yeah he played every sport all the time never missed anything that we did but he was shit at all of them. Um, <laughs> and that's probably relatively fair, right? Football, rugby, golf, whatever it is. Like, I've always loved all of it, but I've probably not been great at anything. But there's always been this thing in my head where I'm like, I could run for forever. Like, I was probably one of the fittest just and I, maybe I wasn't even one of the first. I just always wanted stuff more, right? I always managed to find a way to make that last sprint, make that last tackle, whatever it was. I just loved that feeling of knowing that I was pushing my limits. Um, and then, you know, I, like most people, you're in your 20s and you realize actually I'm maybe not going to be a professional footballer or whatever. So you're still playing f fives and things with your mates, but you're not maybe focused on any one thing. And then kids come along and it all gets thrown in the wind. And you're like, one day I just went, oh, holy shit. Like my kids took a photo of me building a sandcastle. And I was like, oh, I've got fat. I've become like that dad guy, right? And I was like, that is what happened there. Um, and that was like a real like turning point. And I don't have many of them in my life where I'm like, it was a specific moment in time and it happened. Um, but yeah, that night I, my wife was getting coached by a lady, Leanne Conroy, uh, who's Joe's mm. wife. And she went, oh, well, if this bothers you, why don't you go and speak to Leanne's boyfriend at the time, Joe Parrish. And I said, uh, all right, yeah. And I phoned him. I was like, Joe, I need everything you've got. I'm coming home on Monday and I'm all in. Just tell me how to get ripped as a dad. And he was like, yeah, no problem. 
and we started we started there five six years ago maybe got myself into some pretty good shape um but it was all gym work with just a run once a week and then i was like right i did a photo shoot thing where i got myself into great shape and i was like mastered that <laughs> done <laughs> i've got the rna t-shirt and then i was like what else what would be really hard and different so i was like oh an iron man like that feels like it's something that's it's one of those ones where it felt i knew joe had done one now joe for me is like a gifted athlete guy right ex-pro footballer ex-national swimmer kind of he's just one of these people who we love but is good at everything so he's a dick <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i was like if he could do it maybe i maybe i could so got on the half Ironman bandwagon, then on the full Ironman bandwagon. And then I was like, right, let's try. I was really enjoying the running side of things. And I was like, maybe we'll try like an ultra. How long can I run for? I try 24 hours, right? So let's do a 24 hour run. Just 24 hours. Just 24 <laughs> hours. How many? I did a loop around Loch Ness. Um, it was, I think it was 6K. You just go round and round and Fucking round. Fucking hell, that is a mental yeah. battle as well. <laughs> brutal, oh. absolutely brutal. Is that a race or you just decided to do it? It is a race, yeah. yeah. I went up with a mate and uh, it's horrible because it's like a K off, basically it's 1K uphill, 1K downhill, then you're 1K through like tree roots. It's like, imagine football, you know, when you're like going in and out the tire rings. It's <laughs> like that, wow. high knees, a K across the beach. And then like a K through this field of like knee high grass that's just tangling you up constantly. And then you try and do that at, at night and you're like, what the, I can't see shit. There's no light pollution. There's nothing, right? It's just, you've got your wee head torch on trying to see. Um, so I did that. That was a hundred and I ended up doing 107 K I think around there. And I was like, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. And then I was like, well, what? else is there to do and that's when one night i sat up and i was like i'm going to google what the hardest race in the world is and every time i typed into google inevitably you get a few different answers right of everybody's opinion but every single time it came up with this marathon de sable six marathons six days across the sahara desert um fully self-sufficient you're carrying all your own food equipment it's like 33 pound in your back um it's just hell <laughs> it's utter hell yeah but i was like fuck. that i don't know i think i thought that could be fun <laughs> yeah really? yeah i think oh, okay. I, I didn't I, think that'd be motivation i yeah, didn't think you were looking for fun <laughs> i think it's one of those ones right where it sounds cliche right but you have to if you're only if when you set a goal if the only thing that you're really focused on is is the goal it will always be like a letdown it's like gold medal syndrome yeah. right you speak to every single olympic athlete and say to them how did it feel two seconds after winning the medal they're like amazing how about 10 seconds they're like uh, i was already on a downhill right and that's where the ones that managed to not suffer mental health and other issues are the ones that have actually enjoyed the process of getting there. If you spent four years 
doing something that you enjoy, the goal is kind of almost irrelevant, right? You kind of want to do it, but you've just spent four years having loads of fun and doing things that you enjoy. Some of it was really hard, but you, bottom line is you enjoyed it. So I knew I was going to have a lot of fun doing it because I just love running. I probably underestimated just how savage and how hard and how scary it actually was. Um, yeah, I think that was probably my, <laughs> my downfall. <laughs> so I remember, I remember seeing this race on Netflix. I don't know if you've oh. seen the Netflix about. Uh, so I was in this like, I can't remember the name of the show. It's actually oh, like narrated yeah. by Idris, um, Idris Elba. Thing. Yeah, so it's narrated by Human Playground. That's it. Um, and there's this lady running it, yeah. and I remember thinking, "What kind of fucking psychopath does this race?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I see you on social media. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Yeah, no, I see you on social media, completely mar marathon disabled. It's like, oh shit, I need to get in touch with this guy. I need to have a conversation. Like, what the fuck? Um, I, yeah. Like, I can't believe that you run that for for fun. That's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell me about. Let's start at a training. Like, how how would, I, how would you train for something like that? Like six days in the Sahara Desert, six marathons. I think there's a, a day of like a double marathon in there as well, double, right? Just over double, yeah. In the sand, heats of 40, 50 degrees, I imagine. You, yeah. you live in Scotland, man. Like, it doesn't get above 15 <laughs> very often. <laughs> how, how, did you, how did you train for it? <laughs> that is the problem in Scotland, right? Because the, the race is at the end of April. So all your training is done from like. October to March in the winter, right? Um, I, th I mean, the training, there's there's this thing about the endurance races is there's only so fit that you can kind of get yourself, right? You, you can be as fit as you want, but if mentally you're not fit, then you're going to be in bother. So the actual physical training would look like, I think I probably started October, November. Now, bear in mind, I probably hadn't been running that much up until then. I had a few injuries and things. So I would start with probably doing five runs, four or five runs a week at that point. Nothing more than maybe 15K to start. And then over the course of that six month period, generally speaking, we would do four or five weeks build. So constantly add an extra Ks on. Um, and it would look like one long run, one tempo run, um, you know, just trying to get the heart rate up and then trying to get the heart rate down. And then two kind of middle-ish runs. Um, and then over the course of that six month period, then you're just trying to sort of constantly add mileage to that average, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the peak, which is probably like somewhere like between the four and eight weeks out, you were, I was doing, I think, about 110k a week. But it got to this really cool stage where I was like running a marathon every week and it just became this like thing that I did. I'd be like, oh, right, it's coming up for lunch. I need to get a marathon in for lunch and then get back for, because I've got a call or something, right? And it's back to this, like, I remember it being really tired. I'd be like, my feet in particular were just like so swollen and tired. But I was like, I've had to become the guy who's knocking out marathons for lunch, right? I just, it's lunchtime, let's go, let's run a marathon, let's get back. And then 
I'd sit there and I'd be like, shit, like finish a marathon knowing that I've got like six minutes to then get on a call. So it's not like, you know, normally people will be like, oh my God, like yeah. <laughs> lying about on the floor. I'm like, I know that I don't have that luxury. So then, you know, it's a quick change, change the t-shirt so I don't look quite so sweaty. Um, grab a recovery shake and then I'd be on a call like, right, I've just finished a marathon six minutes ago, but let's Oh, let's not, go. I'd not be washing off. I'd be wearing that as pride, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I've just finished a marathon. Yeah. No, I don't want to talk about it. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but you just kind of get to that point. And that was where I was like, that is so cool. So I hadn't even won the race. Like, I, I didn't win the race, but I hadn't even done the race. But I, ha I was already having these like achievements along the way that I was like, this is so... It gave me such a buzz and gave me the energy to kind of push on. Yeah, I love what you actually said a minute ago about, you know, you became that person yeah. before the race. I think that's really important. Whether, whereas someone that wants to lose a couple of stones, someone that wants to get their abs out, someone that wants to run a marathon yeah. or an ultra, it's like you can't just focus on that that thing and that goal. You nah. have to focus on who you need to become, and that's going to happen three, six months before the thing. Yeah, um, It's like we do a lot of photo shoots of our clients, yeah. and they have to become the person that they want to be on that day from day one yeah. they have to start acting like them they have to get yeah. into the routine they have to train well they have to eat well like you don't just you know you, you can't just uh, turn up and, no. and expect to be expect to be that person and that's so like I love this because this is so about oh, people forget that right there's this uh, there's this kind of obsession in society with just be you now me is probably somebody who's like just wants to sit, chill, you know, watch a bit of TV. Not, I don't particularly want to put myself into uncomfortable situations very often, right? Like the reality is I want to be comfortable, chilled and happy, right? But that doesn't mean that I have to just, so I, I, I can't just sit there, right? I have to, to become somebody in order to get those feelings. But people get caught in this, well, wait, I'm, not, I'm not a runner, I'm yeah. not a gym bunny. I'm this fat, lazy person, or I'm this um, quiet and timid person. Well, that's who you are right now, and that that's okay. But you can become somebody else, and that doesn't mean you're being fake or not genuine or something. That just means you're learning how to 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 become a different part of yourself, and. That for me is, and that's how you do endurance events constantly, right? Because you're constantly trying to become, you know, you're constantly trying to put yourself in different states to get through it because it lasts so long. Um, yeah, and it's just so important. It's like, so who do you need to be? I have that as a question on my check-in forms every mm -hmm. week. Like, who do you need to be this week to do to get what you want? And like, I'll ask myself that sometimes where I think about, if it's a work thing, like a really complex problem or, or I'll, I'll be like, right, who would be really good in this situation? I'm like, ah, oh, right. My old boss, Chris, like he would just be, he would just figure out. I'm like, what would he do though? I'm like, well, he'd, he was always like, you know, shoulders back, chest out. He was always like holding himself in a really good way. Right. Okay. And then how would he think he would think about positive things right he'd be thinking about how we could and he'd be but he'd be thinking like a million miles ahead of where any, anybody else was right okay so i need to start doing a bit more of that right and then who would he phone ah you know what he'd phone like roddy or he'd phone matt or he'd phone whatever right and then i start to be like oh now i'm like doing this 
thing. Whereas I was just sitting there like, well, I don't know what to do. Right. Definitely. So it's just constantly trying to, you know, think of role models, think of experiences that you've had in the past, maybe where you've done something really great and you have to step back into that kind of person. And it's a skill, right? It takes, it takes Definitely. time, but it's so powerful when you, when you master it. Definitely. And I think that's like where everyone wants to get to as like an end goal. Um, like I think people think they just want say abs or whatever that end, yeah, yeah. end thing is, but yeah. really they want to become a different person and have that ability that you just spoke about. Um, I think, I think that's really important because otherwise you're just someone that can follow a plan. You haven't actually became yes. that person that actually just does shit and can adapt when necessary, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it's like abs, right? You think about it, right? What do I want? I want six small or eight small <laughs> lumps in the middle of my chest. What the fuck? Like why? It's not that it's you want to become, you want the confidence of a person who's able to stand there and has got eight lumps throwing showing in the middle of their their stomach right <laughs> like <eight> yeah <laughs> that's, so like, that's what it is though right yeah. it's not you know it's the and i say this to clients all the time right it's like don't tell me we all get obsessed with things that we want right we want things like like a nice house we want things like a nice car nice holidays we want lots of money so right it's not the thing that you want it's the feeling that you want yeah like you want lots of money because you want to feel safe, right? So let's figure out ways to feel safe because we can get money. Absolutely. Right. And that's money is just a science, right? That's just about achieving a few things and you'll get it, but it takes time. Whereas getting the feeling of being safe, we can get that a hell of a lot quicker, right? We can get that now with meditation, with, with, with NLP techniques, whatever that is, right? So it's like, figure out what the feelings are. Why do you want the the house or the cars? Well, that's significance, right? It's like, well, how else can we get significance? Well, maybe actually... I would say stick a gun to someone's head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy one. Avoid that one, yeah. right? Yeah, that's their first idea. And then you're like, okay, we're going to keep digging. Um, yeah, right. It's like how is the feelings that we all want? And it's the same with the abs, right? It's mm -hmm. not the six, the, the eight muscles. It's the... It's the feelings that we want. And that's, uh, it's just so exciting that thing. That's where, that's where you get people to start breaking through. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. It's, it's something that I always touch on, like that initial call with a client is like, uh, how, how do you really want to feel? And they'll give you like a base level answer or something, surface level, right? Yeah. Um, I want to feel better. <laughs> I want to feel more confident. Okay, why, why do you want to feel more confident? Uh, you know, it's just like, I've never really had that true confidence or I've never really truly believed in myself. Right. So what does that mean if we, if we actually get you to that position and then it's like, fuck, that's okay. That's what you yeah, want. Yeah, Isn't yeah, it? So yeah. it's not the yeah. absolute stone loss. This is where you want to get to. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, last year on holiday, I thought everyone was looking at me or whatever it is, yeah, but yeah. there's always that sort of underlying reason. That's the feeling that you want to, to actually have and give people, you know, whether that yeah. is in fitness or business or whatever, yeah, whatever, exactly. whatever exactly. realm. Um, yeah, one thing you spoke about when, when you're speaking about running that crazy race um, was like the mental challenges and yeah. the, the, the mental training that you underwent. So let's speak about the challenges first uh, on the race and then we can speak about how you sort of went through them uh, with training. But what, what were the sort of the challenges um, that came up along the way? I imagine, I imagine it's a bit, a bit crazy. Yeah, 
it's one or two like <laughs> uh this feels difficult um <laughs> i think look i mean the reality is the very on the first day you go in there like in, in great shape right and and you recognize that at the start line right you're like not only is everybody here physically very fit but there's nobody there that's not mentally on point right you don't put yourself in these situations unless you're kind of got your shit squared away so you're, there's this excitement on the start line and then the look at the people's eyes at the end is like you know they're like ghosts right because it's you just go through this well, on the first day i blacked out three times like just wow. woke up face down in the sand no Fuck. idea what had happened what i remember vaguely my, like my peripheral vision would start to get a bit fuzzy this would happen in like a 10 second period of time the peripheral vision would start to go a little bit fuzzy and i was like that feels strange and then it felt like somebody had like taken my head lifted it off and then just filled my body with really cold water and i remember thinking because it's like I think the first day was the cold, the coldest day that we had, and it was forty-seven or forty-eight degrees, right? Celsius, by the way, for any listeners. Yeah, right. <laughs> Celsius, yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, it's like it felt like somebody like lifted my head off, filled my body with cold water, and I, I like I specifically remember looking at my arms and going, "I've got goosebumps," right? And it's forty-seven degrees Celsius, and then that was that was it, wow. and I was like. Ooh, I just couldn't breathe all of a sudden. It was because I was just lying face down. And then you kind of do that weird thing of jumping back up, like get on your feet. Did anybody, did anybody see that? No, I'm good. Let's go. So you start kind of running again and you're a little bit away with it. You know, you feel what's going on. And then it happened three times on that first day. Now I'd been at this point running, as I say, marathons every week. So I'd never blacked out before. I always felt pretty strong throughout them. This was like, basically what's happening is your core body temperature has risen too high. So your body's starting to shut different parts down to keep it cool. Um, so I finished that, I finished that first day. And I remember sitting, like you get back to this, like it's like a bivouac, it's called a bivouac. It's like a, you sleep with the same six people every night, but it's like, four sticks, like literally four sticks off a tree with a t bit of tarpaulin over the top. So there's some form of shade for you. And you think you get back and everybody be like, yeah, whoa, well done, like awesome. For a solid hour, like nobody talks because you're, you're, it's the only way I can describe it is that I remember lying down and having to focus like every single part of my being on trying to cool down I was like I cannot feel this hot like, it was really scary to, to feel that hot so nobody talks and you're just like this is kind of weird and then we were walking out and there was all this commotion over at the side <clears throat> and turned out a guy had a guy had died he'd gone into cardiac oh, arrest fuck. and uh you're like what what the hell's so dead for he was dead for seven minutes I think and then he managed to use the defibs to to bring him back. Wow. But you're like, shit, this is, I'm not messing about here, right? And I remember being hit with like 
waves of guilt more than anything. I was like, what am I doing here, right? Like I've got a wife and kids and the only thing my wife had said to me, she's amazing and she lets me do all these mad things and never says no, that she's just like, you do your, you do you and we'll support you and whatever else. But she said, just know when to stop. Do not push it too far. And I was like, I blacked out three times and there's a cardiac arrest next to me. Like, is this, is that it? Right. Is that, mm. have I reached the limit? So I was, uh, yeah, just, it was the guilt of thinking I shouldn't be doing this. Like I've pushed it too far. Mom's if I do that again tomorrow, you know, will I be the guy down there? And I'd never forgive myself. So you've, I remember just thinking, I don't know what to do tomorrow. Like, and everybody's in the same position, right? Like, it's not like I'm, everybody's like, oh, no, I'm good, man. You're just unfit or you just had a bad day. Everybody's like in real bother. And um, I remember writing down that night, I was like, what price am I willing to pay to complete this? And there's this amazing thing that happens when you write with, with a paper and pen, because it's one thing typing, but you can type really fast. So when your brain's going really fast, you can keep up with it. Whereas when you write with a pen and paper, it forces your brain to slow down so that your hand can keep up. And writing, what price am I willing to pay to complete this, made me think, well, what the fuck, right? It's not my life. I'm not willing that to, to pay that price. So I, I wrote, I won't pay that. I won't, I won't pay the ultimate price. I will not sacrifice my life for this. So the next question was, how will you complete this? And I was like, right, how? And I was like, did anybody feel okay today? And everybody was like, I feel utter hell, like blacked out this and all, all that. And one of the guys was like, I didn't black out. And I was like, you and me, <laughs> we are running <laughs> neck and neck tomorrow. At like, but I was quite clear in my head going into that next day. If if I do it again, I'm out. Right, I'm not. I'm not going to end up in a in a body bag at the end of this. Um, and then the second day comes, and it was we were only like ten k in. The three of us went together because one of the other guys he also had kids, and he was like, "I'm the same mate." He's like, "This is not what I thought I was signing up for." So the three of us went together, much much slower which was difficult, right? Because you're like, I could go faster. I feel like I've got the legs for it. But you're like, this is a 250 kilometer race. Not, there's no point in me doing well for- Got another five days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we were only 10, 15K into that second day. And the guy was, one of the guys is like, like I'm done. He's like, I have to stop. I'm overheating constantly. I'm losing my vision. Um, I can't keep the water in, um, and you're like, shit, like. Did he stop? So he stopped and we went on, um, and then I've never seen, he got back. At the end of the day, we were like, we were lying in the tent again, just, well, we did their usual one hour of no chat because you're just completely burnt. And then I remember saying like, where is he? Like, oh my God, like, I can't believe, I, we were all just lying there going, he's got to make it, he's got to make it. Because we were also thinking, right, if you don't finish this, 
there's going to be this thing inside you that's like you're going to have to come back next year and try it again and I was like I we were all adamant we are never coming back to this this is so much worse than what we'd ever thought so I was just feeling for this guy I was like oh man he's going to be so good and he's going to have to come back next year which is even worse because you're going to know what you're coming into and then about I don't know two a good couple of hours later he like stumbled into the tent and we were like mate are you all right and we were trying to sort of get his bag off and keep him upright and i remember he, i said to him like are you, are you okay can i get you anything and he just looked at me square in the eye and he just went i can't talk please don't talk to me and i was like okay <laughs> and he just slumped and that was him and you're wow you're just lying there like should we do something? Should we call a medic? Should we like, he looks completely, but you realize looking around you, you're like, this is, this is normal. This is kind of how it's going to be. So, I and mean, then all you know that night or as I've got to do this all over again tomorrow and then the next day and the next, the day four is this ultra 90, 90 kilometers. And then, and then you've still got another day, another one to do at the end of that. Wow. So it's just relentless, exhausting, and I've just never really been in that much pain, both physically and mentally, because you're so close to the edge the whole time. And that's really hard to deal with. Normally, you know, people talk about running a marathon and they get to like mile 20 or they hit the wall at 21 or whatever it is. So you've got five miles to to deal with. You're like 2K into this thing. Your body's massively overheating. Your legs are, I mean, you're like, I was wearing um, like compression socks. So it's like knee to, to ankle. And... Um, some of the sand is so deep it like goes up and over the top of your compression socks so it's like falling inside these compression socks and if you imagine like a pepper grinder oh so it's just like grinding i remember looking at like the bottom of like around my ankles um it was like it was just like a sludge of skin and pus and blisters and yuckness that it was just it was everywhere and you're just like oh well this is, this is the new normal this is a yeah, yeah like hopefully that doesn't get infected by the time i get uh or if it does you know hopefully it's not this later in the race that it's gonna that it's gonna be holy shit so yeah wow and obviously yeah, i think um i've read on your instagram as well like one of your team members underwent a bit of a so you had to get a helicopter out of him to basically save him and stuff like that. So you're, you're surrounded by this, like, guard has gone into cardiac arrest. You're blacking out yourself. Your teammate is having a rescue helicopter come in because he's not in a good place. Mentally, how do you, when you're in that much pain as well, how do you overcome that from going, oh, shit, I'm next, I better stop, yeah. to actually go, no, this actually needs to be finished? How, how do you overcome that? And what are the, I guess, the techniques that you use to do that? Um... I think particularly in endurance situations, you're trying to distract yourself from the pain and the suffering that you're in. Um, so for me, what I always do and, and what I did throughout training, right, the physical side of it was really hard, but mentally tuning into this is harder because you're just tired and you just want to 
your mind to go to mush, right? But what I always do is I, I, I'm always imagining sitting in a cinema. Um, and what I can see is there's a screen in front of me and I'm standing like back where the projector is. And there's just one person sitting in the cinema and it's just me. So I'm looking at me, um, but I'm at the back and this person's in the middle. And I'm watching then what they're watching. And it starts off, it's usually like an image where I'm like, what's, what's in the image? And it might be, for example, the glory, right? So I'm, I'm looking at a picture of me finishing the race. So I'm trying to completely immerse myself in that moment to distract myself from the pain that I'm feeling at that point. So I'll be like, I start to zoom in mentally. I'm like, right now I'm level with this person that's watching it, this other version of me. And then I start to look at the image, but start to try and bring it to life. So it becomes like a movie. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to notice it's about detail. So I'm like, right, what exactly is happening here? So I'm maybe like a hundred meters out from the line and I'm thinking, who's there? Right. All right. Kids, Emma and the kids are there. Right. Okay. Who else is there? I've got my mates there, like Big Size there, Craigie B's there, Renix there, Burger's there, like all the boys are there. And I'm like, right, what do, what do they, what's going on? And I'm like, I can see like Emma, like jumping up and down. She's screaming. I'm like, where, where's the hair? Right. And I, it's like, oh, she's got some strands going across like her forehead and her hair's kind of been blown back. Like what's going on with her eyes? And I'm like looking at her eyes going, oh, like I can see like the little crease in her eyes and this crease where she's, where she's smiling. And then I'm like, what, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm running. I'm like beating my chest going, fucking yes. Cause I know <laughs> I'm there. But I'm trying to feel like that, the pain in my throat from the, cause I'm screaming so loud. I'm trying to feel that beat on my chest. And I'm constantly just adding more and more things. I'm like, what song would be playing when I was doing this? I'm like, right, you know, it's like ACDC's like, come on the highway to hell. Like, and it's just, and I'm playing it out and it's then there's more and more people. And I'm just immersing myself in that moment for as long as I possibly can. And I can kind of be there for 40 minutes, maybe like an hour, just almost replaying the same bit, but trying to spot more and more things in the film and trying to feel the emotions that come with it. Cause that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. Right. Cause at that moment, when you cross the finishing line, you feel like you can, I could do another five, right. But only for that final hundred meters. Right. So I'm just trying to recreate those emotions in my current state. And then eventually that stops working. It's like, ah, right, okay, that idea of glory just isn't happening for me right now. So then I have to kind of lean into something different. And I always think of it like a bit like a joystick, like an old school kind of, uh, so like, I'll be like, lean forward would be glory. What else have I got? I'm like, oh, I could, um, I could lean to the right. That's like gratitude, right? Right, what would I do there? Like, oh, that's when do I feel like the most grateful. Think of that actual image, the video, the, how it looks from different angles. Are you, are you like watching it from behind? Are you watching it from the side? And for gratitude, it's normally things with the kids where I'm like, ah, carrying them to bed. I'm like, I can feel the weight of them in my arms. I can feel like they're 
their skin on my neck as they like cuddle in. And then I'm like, oh, I can feel their heart, right? And they try and get your heart and beat in sync to, to their heart. And then I'll be like, right, actually the gratitude's not working. Maybe it's fear, right? So for me, like my biggest fear would be the kids getting kidnapped, right? That's just this, and don't go there very often, but like mm -hmm. that terrifies, I think that would be the worst feeling in the world. And I can always see it, right? I can, I'm always chasing this gray transit van and the back door is like, you know, there's two doors and a transit, right? One's open and flapping and I can see the kids screaming at me and I can see this guy. I can never see his full face, but I can see this guy and he's like, you've got to fucking run or you're never going to get them. And I'm like, like my, my adrenaline spikes because yeah. I'm, I'm actually living that moment when I'm there. Yeah, wow. Well. And it's horrible, but, and I can feel the emotion, like I can feel... It'll like come up, you know, my Adam's apples like feels like it's going to mm. punch through my throat. Like I can't swallow almost. Yeah, and... yeah. And I can feel the tears welling up in my eyes. But I know, I keep replaying that. I can picture like Emma, to this, she's always at the side of me like screaming, please, you've got to keep going, you've got to keep going. And, 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 and I can, it's just the most horrible, horrible feeling in the world. But I never let the emotion out, right? Because that's why, you know, crying feels good because it's built, it's building up, building up. And then the actual tear coming out is the release. It's like, mm. whereas if you do that in the race, you, you don't want to release that, right? You, if you release that, you're just, you're going to end up on the floor shortly after. So it's like trying to keep that level of emotion up. Um, to, to kind of push you through. So it's like, right. And then sometimes that doesn't work, right? You're like out of there, right? What else have I got? So it's this kind of constant moving around of maybe it's back to glory, maybe it's gratitude, maybe it's pain, maybe it's fear, maybe, maybe it's whatever, um, to try and suck yourself out of the situation really. Yeah, wow, that's crazy, that's crazy. Mm. Um, where do you learn those, those sorts of visualization techniques? Because just thinking if I was like out for a run right now, I could do my best to think for that, but to really sort of immerse yourself into that and like did the whole cinema thing that you were speaking about. Sounds really useful, number one, yeah. but also sounds quite difficult to do. So where, where do you sort of train yourself to do that? I'd, some of it's based on like, I'd say the basis of that is like called neuro-linguistic programming, mm -hmm. NLP techniques. But a lot of it's just been stuff that I've, the basis of NLP is the cinema concept, but the rest of it's kind of just what, because I've done it so many times, right? Yeah. It's like people would say, how do you go and just run all that? And I'm like, well, you don't just go and do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, Becoming that person again, right? Yeah. Exactly, right? So for six months, like I say this to, to, to clients all the time in terms of their training, I'm like, it's one thing to go through that run and completely switch off and not think about anything. And that's great. Sometimes I would do that because that's my happy place or I'm too tired and I just kind of needed the mental space. But most runs, probably 80% of the runs, I was doing that same thing, right? Because I get tired too, right? I'm not a machine that's like, oh yeah, I just run marathons and don't feel a little tired. <laughs> like I feel tired, I want to stop, but I'm constantly using these techniques to, and it's, and it's the same physical tiredness that I feel mentally tired. So I'll be like, 
I'm so fucking tired physically that my legs are shot to bits. But I'll also be like, I don't want to visualize that shit anymore because I'm so fucking tired. I just want to zone out, listen to this podcast and whatever else. But that's the times that count, yeah. right? It's like lifting weights, right? The first three reps don't count. Right? It's easy. It's the last yeah. two that do, right? Exactly, right? So it's when you are really tired, mentally, you need to be able to find another level. But then that's where the resilience kicks in. So like I went out to the desert knowing that no matter how tired I got, I was always able to visualize something. Mm. I was always able to find another gear. So as brutal and as hellish as it ever was, there was always this inner confidence and resilience in me that was like, this is a lot harder than you thought. It's a lot scarier than you thought. But as long as you stay alive, you will find a way to complete this. Yeah. And that, and you can't buy that. You, oh, I only got that by doing those last three reps on every run, right? For sure. I think that you can't buy it. It's a very, a very important thing as well. Again, maybe not the extremes of like the six marathons in six days. Mm. Maybe we go back to the six bumps on, the, mm. on, your, on your torso. Um, it's like you can't buy the feeling of confidence or or yeah. clarity or that that feeling of self-belief and energy you know um and i think that's why actually working on yourself is one of the most incredible experiences that you'll ever go through is like yes maybe if you're super rich and wealthy you could buy a lamborghini you're not fucking buying a set of abs yeah. you're not you're not you're not buying uh, an ultra marathon uh, totally. medal you know um you might be able to buy a medal but it wouldn't mean yeah. very much well, that's <laughs> it. but you're not and it's almost like you're not you can't buy the abs or the, the 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 ultra marathon, but more importantly, you can't buy the feeling exactly that, that comes. And exactly that's just that. I'm like I wish everybody could experience mm. that feeling. I'm I'm like that. I'm always like friends and family. You know, they they've never been through the process. And like, oh, you should you know you should do this. And almost like the energizer bunny run. But you got I've got to realize not everyone like values it the same as I do maybe they no. don't want to who knows but I, like, I want to give that to people yeah. that's why I initially got into coaching was just because I wanted to I went for it myself I was overweight got uh, really fit got really like super confident and had that transformation in my life and I was like holy fuck everyone around me needs yeah, to yeah, yeah. experience this as well so I was like friends family right we're going to, yeah, <laughs> we're going yeah, to do this and yeah. dragging people along um, I think the obvious question for you with these fucking crazy races and all of this stuff we've just discussed is why why, why do you want to do it I, th I think it it does come down to that as a primal need inside me of what I need as a human is growth. I need to feel like I'm moving forward and I'm progressing and there's new things coming. Mm. And at its most simple level, that's what it is. It's just all about me trying to meet that need inside me. Do you feel like that's a bit of a dangerous game to play? Because what happens when you you can't move forward for whatever reason, yeah. maybe injury, uh, we complete all of the races in the world, you know, yeah, you've done the yeah, toughest yeah. one in the world, right? Yeah. Um, do you feel like that's a bit of a dangerous game? Because when you can't move forward, will you then feel like you're moving backwards if you're just still and enjoying other areas of life? Um no, I think it's where you get obsessed with one specific area of your life for growth 
that you can have problems. Got you. So like right now, physically, I'm in the gym at the moment. I'm going through a rebuild phase of trying to get the body stronger than than it's that's ever been. But I'm not necessarily pushing my physical limits in the way that I was for the previous six months. But I know from a business idea, I'm probably doing more than I've ever done before on that side of things because I'm really pushing hard there. And as a family, we've been really starting to push not necessarily extreme limits, right? Like, like the kids are young, right? 10 and nine, right? I'm not trying to push them in that way because that's not what you want with kids. But it's how do we make us as a family function better, doing things that we've never done before, um, trying to engage with each other in different ways, trying to really just push that part of my life to a place that it's higher place that it's not been. So, um, and there's so many different ways to measure stuff, right? Like, For yes, sure. it's the toughest race in the world, right? But it's not the longest race. It's yeah. not the fastest race. It's not the, there's a million different kind of ways to measure yourself. And in fact, more importantly than anything, I don't think I'm defined by, well, I know I'm not defined by the race. Yep. You know, that's the danger with athletes, right? Professional athletes is because they become, I am the sprinter or I am the footballer, right? That That is me and I'm not, right? I'm like, oh, that's what I do. That's cool and I enjoy that. But I'm also a dad, a husband, I'm a employee, I'm a business owner. Um, I've got all these other things that I am. Um, and so when one thing isn't necessarily going perfectly or going to the extreme that it maybe once was, that's okay. Yeah. Because I'm focused elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think that's so important. Yeah. Um, I love that you mentioned your family and stuff as well. I feel, I feel like yeah. a lot of sort of high-performing people actually forget that side of things. Yeah. And it's like you can have progression there as well. Like progress and moving forwards can just come from relationships and socialising yeah. and sometimes actually taking a step back from the other areas and enjoying that time with your loved ones, your family, your relationships, your social circles. That is progress sometimes. Totally. Um, and I think a lot of people don't sort of realise that. Uh, which, yeah, re really, really interesting. And that ability to sort of push and pull at the right times is is what's really going to separate people as well, I think. Like, yeah. there's a time to push business, there's time to pull it back, there's time to push your fitness, time to pull it back, there's time to push your social side, yeah, it's time yeah. to pull it back. Um, so, yeah, I think learning how to do that is, is super important. Yeah, I do this thing with clients called, it's called the, the circle of life. And it's kind of like, a, imagine like a trivial pursuit pie, right? And it shows there's like eight different parts to your life. You've got like your health and fitness, You've got your intimate relationships. You've got your relationships with your friends and family. You've got your finances. You've got your career. There's all these different parts to your life. And and I say to them right now, color in each segment out of, from zero to 10, zero being in the middle, 10 being at the outside on where you currently are at, right? And I would say 90% of people will draw something that looks like one or two areas of their life they're doing really well in. It's like my career's doing really well and I'd probably put that away out here. That'd be about an eight. But my health is in the fucking gutter. It's way down here. And the relationship with the family and intimate relationships is not good. And if you think of it like a wheel, 
it's like would that turn it's like we've got this massive big bit out here these two little bits here and a medium bit maybe over there it doesn't turn right it, it doesn't roll it goes clunk 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 and it's why people who are, have done amazing with their finances right and amazing with their career and they're like i've got everything right i've got all the money in the world i've got all the accolades and the titles from a job perspective why am i not happy right it's like well because there's six other parts of your life that you've completely neglected right so the, the, the aim is to try and get them not to excel in one particular area. The, the aim is to try and get that wheel so it rolls, so it's smooth, and then starting to grow things more steady. And, and sometimes that means slower, right? But ultimately, it'll be a much better outcome. Um, and it's just so important to remember all those different parts. You can only push for so long in, in, in one area. I think that's a really good way of putting it. I, I think it's a real big sort of mindset challenge that I see a lot of clients have, a lot of non-clients have as well, is once they've undergone that process of like body transformation, yeah, maybe yeah, they've yeah. done a photo shoot or something like that, it's they almost expect themselves to always be that person. It's like you have to yeah. learn not to be that person and take a step back from it because you can't push on full throttle like that all the time. You have to, you know, be able to, be able to step into the other areas that you, you're just going through. Because you must see this all the time as well, right? It's like the, so people do like that transformation of getting from, you know, overweight to doing the photo shoot and then they feel amazing. From the photo shoot where they can maybe start to see their pecs and maybe a bit of their abs and all that kind of stuff. There's actually... Like you've you've done ninety percent of the bit, right? Now you're getting into finite kind of improvements, and you know trying to add three centimeters to your biceps is really fucking hard, right? Yeah. Right? Trying to lose three centimeters off them took you like three months last time because you just got your nutrition. So it's like trying to get people to. So it means you can't if if the if that body change was the only thing that you're going to measure your progress by and your happiness and your sense of fulfillment by your this is only going to work for a certain period of time right it's like what else is going on to make you that's going to make you feel good definitely um yeah it's a, it's a warning I always give to clients when we do photo shoots or even just like someone that's going for a dieting phase or something like that it's like look, you're going to get to this position. It's almost going to be that high, like you've just won the world championship when you yeah. get there. But and then all of a sudden, you're going to be left with this thought of like, oh shit, now now what? Yeah. Um, and that can be a very dangerous place to be, that now yeah. what? Because it can either typically ends up in like a yo-yo if you haven't got that guidance. Um, yeah. Or you can just feel very lost and you're like, oh, I haven't, I, I'm still not that person that I want to be. I still don't have that feeling that I want mm. to have. Um, so I always warn that that is inevitably coming. I yeah. think it is inevitable. Um, but there's ways that we can sort of plan and and make sure that you know the, the expectation is set and stuff like that. That you know yeah. you're never you're, you're not going to continue progressing at the rate that you have because yeah. if you did, you you're going to end up in hospital. With, <laughs> you know, totally. yeah, um, yeah. It's I, I I wrote a book about this with um, uh, for mindset tools for for athletes, right? And I was saying in it, it's like um, if you look at the greats, like the all time greats, what you'll find is People talk about obsession, right? And you have to be have this singular focus on just one thing in your life, right? That only gets you so far. If you look at like the greats, like the goats, 
right? You look at like Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, somebody like that, right? The reason that not only were they able to become the best, but then also have the longevity was because that wasn't all they had in their life, right? Like Jordan was a massive golf fan, scratch golfer when he was playing, when he was at his peak in the, for the Bulls. So he had this other outlet that he was constantly trying to improve. And then he built on the Jordan brand to, the, to, to his business empire. And he was like, I've got lots of good things. So when one thing's not going so well, like the basketball, I'm all right because my golf's going great or the business is going great, right? So he always had that balance. Same with Serena Williams, right? She did it with fashion design, right? She almost quit tennis to go and do the, to do the fashion design full time, right? She had this other outlet. So that when when things weren't going great, it wasn't this all or nothing kind of mentality. Yeah, I'm almost thinking of the, the polar opposite example there as well, Tyson Fury a few years back, um, yeah. where I think he was so focused on becoming that world champion and almost just had, that was his identity, right? Yeah. Um, and then achieved it and was probably left to that feeling of now what? And that led to the mental health problems and getting Massively. extremely obese and him trying to kill himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I completely hear that's like now again I don't know Tyson Fury personally, but looking from an outsider's perspective, it's much more connected to family and friendships and stuff like yeah. that, seemingly. Um so what you're saying makes complete sense because he seems yeah. in a much better position mentally. Um but and then probably coincidentally as well, physically and it all goes together right. It fits together like a nice puzzle. That's it, right? Because the example I gave in the book was it's like building a Lego tower, right? If you build a Lego tower, one brick on top of another, right? Just one brick, you'll grow it really fast, right? It'll get really high. But the slightest sway, right? The whole thing feels like it's fallen apart or, or will fall apart. Whereas if you build a Lego tower with a middle one and then a couple of ones to the side, right? Your family or your intimate relationships or your finances or your career. If you have something else there, it supports it. So when something feels off, you're like, oh, it might, a few bricks might fall off the top or whatever else, but the rest of it stays upright. And if you build it like that, well, it might take a little bit longer. Ultimately, you get much higher and you get much more stable. Stability. It's important foundations, right? You don't, you exactly. don't build without foundations because it's, it's going to fall. Spot um, that's actually what our, our, our initial phase was called for a long period of time of us. If someone came aboard foundations phase and we still run the same thing, but um, slightly different name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a foundations phase is ultimately, right, let's strip away your expectation. We're not going to worry about you making loads of progress right now. Two to four weeks, build the foundational habits, build the foundational behaviours, yeah. thought processes and all of that stuff because... Although you might feel a little bit disappointed that you're not going to make as much progress as you did if you were on keto like you yeah. were before, um, you know, that foundation is going to support you for, for years rather than just a, a day or a week. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, foundations is super important in every yeah. in every area of life, like you say. I, I love that analogy, by the way, Lego yeah. Tower. I'm going to yeah. steal that if that's yeah, all right. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll have to put a reference underneath <laughs> it. Scott McDonald, page, page 37. <laughs> copyright. Yeah, copyright. Yeah. Uh, awesome, yeah. man. Um, Mate, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. I, I guess I have one last question for you yeah. to ask everyone that comes on board, which is for anybody listening to to this podcast and, and that's listened to the end, um, is maybe feeling that, that bit of inspiration, that bit of fire on that belly right now. What's one word of advice or one sentence, one little bit of, uh, of a gem or gold that you can give them that they can go attack that area of life that they know they need to improve? Again, if that's fitness, business, whatever it is, how can they do it? And what's, what's one thing you can leave them with? 
I, I think if you want to make the biggest return, do the thing that feels the most uncomfortable. Yeah, I think, you know, if you want to start at the gym, whatever that is, right, you know, thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll just start going once a week, right, you know, that is almost easy and it's easy to start, but it's easy to stop. Whereas if you commit to actually, no, I'm going to, what would feel really uncomfortable? Having somebody that was going to hold me to account, right? Having to spend some money on a coach, having to show up three or four times a week and sort my nutrition out. That's going to not only be the scariest kind of holy shit moment, but I guarantee it's going to be the one that gets you the biggest return. So yeah, do the thing that feels most uncomfortable. I love that. That's class. I love yeah. it. Um, and for anyone listening, where, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on um, Instagram, Scott Mac Coaching, uh, and Facebook, Scott Mac Coaching too. Awesome, man. Happy days. Thank you for coming on, dude. No problem. Appreciate mate. you. No, thank you. That was you. great. That was excellent. I enjoyed it. Nice one.